Hey friends, welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. So I know a lot of you listening are homeschoolers as well as homesteaders, or maybe you are wanting to do one of those things. But regardless, those two interests seem to go together, especially well lately. A lot of the things that bring us into homesteading cause a lot of parents to also look into homeschooling. And I think it's such a great fit in synergy because the homestead provides so many learning opportunities. But I know for me as a mom, as my kids are getting older, it takes a little more effort on my part to make sure we're really extracting the maximum benefit from those learning opportunities. You know, when I had four and five-year-olds, it was easy to plant a bean seed or watch the chicks uh, be born. And that was more than sufficient to give them their dose of science for that time of their life. But now I have a preteen. Um, I'm looking at those more in-depth subjects and I'm thinking, how can our homestead life continue to support that learning path? So I am very excited to have a guest with me today, and this is her wheelhouse. Uh, I'd like to welcome Cody Hanner to the show. She's a homeschool mom of six, and she created a homestead science curriculum. So welcome, Cody. Well, thank you, Jill. I appreciate you having me. Um, so I've, we've actually met twice, right? Both times at Homesteaders of America. Um, so it's fun to have someone on the podcast that I've already met in person. So that's a treat. Uh, but can you start us off with giving us a little background on why you created this Homestead Science Curriculum? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so I was an ag major. I grew up agriculture my whole life, grew up on a cattle ranch. Um, kind of joke, it makes me the black sheep of the homesteading world because I've kind of, I don't have that wonderful story of starting fresh from scratch, but I ended up getting my bachelor's in agriculture and going on to work in food plants, doing food safety, FDA regulations, those types of things. And when my husband and I decided that we should homeschool our kids, my first exciting thought was, oh, I'm just going to teach them all these wonderful things I learned while being an ag major. And, you know, I figured you know, I did FFA and things like that in high school. There's got to be curriculums out there everywhere. And there just really wasn't. There's some really great, um, you know, unit type studies that I don't want to take away from what they've created because they're wonderful. But I wanted something really meaty to teach my kids. Like I wanted this to be their science, not an elective or something we just kind of dabbled in. And um, so I ended up putting to, I was just digging things, you know, here and there, trying to put together a curriculum for these guys. And my kids were older when we started or homeschooling. They were second through sixth grade. So already I was having to kind of jump right into that like meteor type stuff. And there was, there's great resources, but there was nothing all in one place. So I... Like I said, I was spending more of my time actually creating a curriculum than I was actually teaching the kids, and it felt really counterproductive. And then I was actually listening to your podcast, Jill, <laughs> and you had a lady on talking about how she had, you know, was trying to do something on Instagram, like with fashion, and it wasn't working for her, and she realized she should be doing the ranch. And it just clicked in my head, like, this is what I need to be doing. Why am I... I mean, I had a little blog where I posted our homemade recipes and stuff like that. And I was like, this is what I need to be doing. This is the thing. So I went home and I told my husband and he's not crazy about all my ideas, but he loved this one. Like for once he was like, yes, this is a gold mine, you know? And I sat down and in about five weeks wrote my first curriculum, which was for the younger kids. And my goal with that one it's got a lot of really sweet projects. It's got a lot of stories that teach character. But my goal was to just really help these younger kids understand where their food came from. I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, this is a cow and those types of things. But I wanted them to have a bigger picture of what goes into creating a homestead, where their food comes from on a bigger picture, and to really work on character. Um. Another piece of that is there wasn't, there's not a lot of character curriculums out there that are secular, which I'm not against a Christian curriculum, but I wanted this to get to a broader audience. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I put these together and um, I released it and it did really well. People were really excited, but I kept getting, we want the junior high, high school version. And so I spent the last year 
researching, writing, and putting together this curriculum. And I released it right before Homesteaders of America. And my goal with it was to just teach each piece of homesteading while having life skills, applied mathematics, character, all of it running through so that they were getting the how, the why, and what it really takes to be a homesteader because it is so much about ingenuity and character. Yes. Awesome. Hold on. I have them over here. I was going to, I have to stretch over my microphone. Just one moment. <laughs> okay. I want to, I want to show these to those watching the video version of this podcast. If you're not watching the video version, just imagine. Um, so I have the, uh, the older kid versions, right? These are the older kid. Is this, mm -hmm, you're yes. saying junior high, high school for this mm -hmm. set? Yes. I call it an introduction set because I feel like there's okay. room to go deeper into some other subjects. Okay. Awesome. And so it's a textbook and then a workbook that goes with it. Um, mm -hmm. So for a homeschool mom or dad listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, where, like, would you use this in, instead of your, your actual science curriculum for the year? Is it an addition to, is it a, like you, you mentioned, it's not a unit study, but would you use it in that capacity potentially? Can you kind of guide a, a parent potentially how they could fit this into their existing lesson plans? Most definitely. My goal was to make this a science curriculum that could replace a regular science. It is very science-based. It's got anatomy, physiology, uh, soil science. There's some chemistry in it. It's really, it's a good, well-rounded life science, um, kind of similar to if you were taking ag in a public school. Plus, I think it's got a lot more because it teaches like, you know, the homemaking, what are they, I don't forget what they call that in school, but the cooking and the yeah. Um, herbology and there's um, a whole health section in there as well, like first aid herbology and um, healthy foods. I like that you mentioned, I guess I've never, I mean, I have thought of it, but I haven't like that when you, a lot of times kids go to regular high school, they do have access to the ag classes, mm -hmm. which is something I kind of wished my kids had. <laughs> You know, it's, mm -hmm. I've all been like, oh, you know, I know it's conventional ag, but I'm still like, man, I wish they could do that and do some of the judging teams and stuff like that. You can do it through 4-H, but for us in our location, it's a little tricky. But you really created that for the homeschool parent, which I don't, I do not believe this. This has not been done before, right? Like this is no, this is not that I've been tracking on. I did a lot of research yeah. before I dove into such a large project. Yeah. And that's why I was so excited when you handed it to me in Virginia. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's like, no one else has done this like this, which I think is, I, I love the people who identify the problem and go find or create the solution. That's my, it's my favorite thing. Um, well, yeah. I so, mean, that's what it really, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. That's what it really was. Is, I mean, even in Idaho where our kids are homeschooled, they can take classes at our local high school, but we live 45 minutes from town. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really not, even if they, I've told them once you get your license, if you want to take a class, but I'm not driving you to town twice a day. Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, yeah the co conventional agriculture, which was my major. So I, there are some aspects of conventional agriculture in this, but I mean, it's all part of the same thing. And then For sure. I, there's a lot of 4-H curriculums. My kids are super active in 4-H. I'm a leader myself. But all of their curriculums are very group-based and showing-based, which then yes. when you kind of hit that middle of like the average homesteader, I mean, my kids show, but not everybody is in the show world. Yeah. And so I just wanted to kind of meet in the middle there. Yeah. And it's very different. We, I have kids who show livestock and it's, mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like we have to almost compromise on some of our homestead standards, like regenerative ag standards in order to show. So I almost have to compartmentalize, which I don't love, but- I do believe, I love the livestock programs for the kids. So we do it, but it is two very different worlds. And so I love that you were able oh, to yeah. kind of marry the best of both and make it work. Um, would Does someone need to live on a homestead for this to benefit their kids? Absolutely not. That was super my goal that everybody could use this. There, Some of the projects are, I give suggestions on if you live on a homestead, you should do it this way. If you don't, you can do it this way. But for the most part, I wanted it to be something that everybody could do. So you don't have to have a whole cattle ranch to be able to learn about the cows. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I was looking at the workbook, um, or maybe it was, hold on. I like it when you open it up and like kind of the first introduction is you are creating this theoretical situation of, hey, you've recently purchased 10 acre homestead. Um, we're going to go to the title company and sign the papers. And now we're going to start the 
baseline process of building it out which I feel like is beneficial to a, a lot of new homesteading adults, but especially with kids because it's teaching them planning and business. And mm-hmm. um, like, like you said, it's more than just homestead skills. It's the ingenuity and the, the life lessons that go with it. So well and, done. You know, I've had a lot of adults buy this themselves um, yeah. to just kind of give them a basis because there is such a business theme running through it, which was my other major. So <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but so no, it, yeah. yeah, I did the scenario because you know, homesteading is a story and every situation is different. So there's the scenario of the neighbors running their homestead through the whole textbook. And then the whole workbook is how your homestead's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's brilliant. Cause I think it really engages them. Um, so I, I have some other questions too, kind of on the periphery of this, but yeah. I really did want to, I wanted to bring you on to talk about this. Cause I know that, that so many of my audience have been looking for something like this and I wanted to just uh, break it down, but to kind of take it to a broader angle, um, I know you have an interesting practice and maybe you did this before you created the curriculum, but you have these (laughs) research binders that you do as a family. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that uh, to us a little bit more? And and I think that would be really interesting as well to to homeschool parents and non-homeschool parents too. Yeah. um, There's kind of a whole story about how we came about doing this, but we've done it for several years now. It was kind of at least in an official capacity. But what I found is I wanted to teach the kids the why right off the bat. And part of my whole story and our crazy blended family and stuff was figuring out a new parenting system that brought the kids on board and made them feel like they had some control over their lives. And I found that the why really helped with that. And so I kind of put it into lots of different aspects of our life. And one of them ended up being the research where when the kids felt like they were a part of the farm and gave them some ownership, they were more likely to understand why things needed to be done at a certain time. And not just the, because I told you so, which, you know, we're still parents. Sometimes it is just because I told you so, (laughs) but we do try to, if we're like really quick to say something and it needs to happen now that it's an urgent situation. And then we explain later, but we started whenever we'd have an issue on the farm, which every homestead's different. So you go out and you have, you know, you have your own knowledge, you have your book, you have all these blogs online and nothing is exactly right for this goat that's sick. The goats seem to be the most complicated. They are. Um, Yeah. And so we would go back in and we would all research different things and we'd powwow on it and try to decide how we wanted to handle something at least if it was something we had time to do that type of research on. And um, then I found the next time we had that issue, it was like, oh, what book did we see that in? What website were we on? And, you know, the kids, they head straight to some of those websites that I'm like, no, that's not real. We're we're looking for like Penn State, not, you know, (laughs) like my cute goat blog. Exactly, exactly. And so I started these research journals that I actually, I printed one out. It's just a blank page, but it explains um, what to do. And it's, you know, the problem, the details of the problem, then where you can have up to three sources and then what we decided to do as a family. And so with those three sources, next time we have an issue with an animal, we can go straight back to our research binder and know what sources we chose to look at. So we're not trying to dig for, some random blog or, you know, something in the depths of some extension office site. And then also, you know, it gives that place where if we decided to take like a natural route and a conventional route, why we took those routes and like what we did. And, you know, our teenagers, they actually run the farm a lot while we travel for business and stuff. So it really gives them a place that they can go back to. I like that. And is this something you find the kids are excited to do, or does this become like more of a schoolwork, schoolwork assignment where you're like, no, we need to do this, fill out this research report. (laughs) Um, it depends on my children because I have two that are total nerds. Um, they're lifelong learners. They love it. And they kind of like it because it's something different from sitting down. We're all talking and doing it together. Um, you know, I have one that is anti-school completely and he's like, yeah, I found it on YouTube and I'm like, well, what YouTube channel? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, 
thanks for your input, you know? Yep. Yep. But then he's also one of the first ones to go find the information later. So. I really, I really like this because I don't know why, I don't know why I didn't think of doing something like this. I researched like crazy, obviously that's like (laughs) my job. (laughs) And that's what prompted me to create the platform I have is just my research and my reading. But I find it's my anti-anxiety. Like I get stressed yeah. out and I go straight for research. <laughs> yeah, I love I love learning, but I think it's maybe a, it has worked against me because when we have a problem on the homestead, I go research it and then I tell my kids what we're doing, and I've taken away that autonomy piece. And it was appropriate when they were five and six, right? But now, it, now they're twelve and ten, and they can do some reading and they can do some research and thinking. So I think this is a really brilliant shift to create that autonomy. You mentioned the why, how do you define the why? And what are, when you say you're teaching your kids the why, what does that mean to you? Well, you know, we used to, you know, we'd have a group of piglets born and I would say, okay, you need to get up there and you need to give them their shots and cut their tails. And they're like, oh, we'll do it. We'll do it tonight. And I'm like, no, it needs to be done now. And they'd get frustrated with that now. So we really took the time to understand that piglets don't have enough iron in their livers when they're born. And so they're really susceptible to anemia. So they need iron shots right away. Also, like docking their tails, we um, sell show pigs. So they have to have their tails docked for shows because pigs actually chew on each other's tails and they get infections and sores. And then we clip their needle teeth because otherwise when they're nursing, it hurts the mom and she doesn't let them nurse and then they're malnourished. So now that the kids have those things... They're like, oh, shoot, like we've had some piglets die and stuff because, you know, we were out of town when piglets were born or something. And um, now they're like, oh, man, we don't want to lose the piglets because we've actually worked into a system where the kids manage their own animals within the farm. Yes. So they each kind of have a species that's their responsibility on the farm. And if we end up losing too many animals or, you know, I, not that we lose a ton of animals, but, you know, with piglets and things like that, it happens. Mm-hmm. But if we end up losing too many from mispractices, then it comes out of their fair money or their profit money for the year. Hey, friend, this episode is sponsored by Genuine Beef Company, which is actually us. It's our beef company. So a number of you have been asking us for a while about the possibility of free shipping. And it took us a while to figure it out because I'll be honest, shipping frozen meat is heavy. It is pricey at times, and it can be just complicated. You got dry ice, you got packaging. You want it to stay fresh all the way to the customer's doorstep. But we finally figured out a way we can offer you a really awesome bundle that not only gives you free shipping, but also free ground beef. So we're calling it the Steak Sizzler Special. And here's what you're going to get. I'm going to hold this up for those of you watching the video version of this podcast. If you're watching the audio version, then you're just going to have to use your imagination, but you're going to get four T-bone steaks. You're going to get two sirloin steaks. These are quite large, ridiculously large, and will fill an entire small frying pan. You're also going to get two of my personal favorite steak in the whole world, the tomahawk. These are like the caveman steak. They are beautiful plated. They are buttery and tender and really the ultimate holiday steak. They're excellent for gift giving. Every time I gift this to someone, I mean, I get the most amazing review afterwards. And you're going to get two pounds of our 9010 ground beef thrown in there for free as well. So this is our beef, guys. We don't do co-op beef. This isn't an aggregate. This isn't a big conglomeration. This is our beef. We raise it from the day those calves hit the ground to all the way to the day they're processed. They grow out on our Wyoming prairie, no corn, no grains, no antibiotics, no added hormones or steroids. It's as pure and as genuine as it gets. And we appreciate your support so very much. We have been shipping out orders steady every single Monday and Tuesday, thanks to you. And every single time we see an order come in, we all do a little celebration. So thank you guys. And if you want to grab the special before we run low on inventory, head on over to genuinebeefco.com. I'll drop that link in the show notes. Click on the banner at the top of the page and grab the steak sizzler special. Now back to our episode. Oh, okay. Interesting. Which that's an, I like, yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) we've been trying to solve that very problem. Um, I have some kids kids are different. I have some who are very motivated to do chores and some who are seasonally motivated to do chores and they (laughs) all like doing their chores, but sometimes, you know, corners are cut and such. And so uh, I was talking to Jessica Leahy who wrote the the book, the gift of failure. And she Mm -hmm. talks a lot about 
allowing natural consequences to teach our kids instead of us nagging and begging and harassing them all the time. And so she was giving the example. (laughs) Yeah, I guess really old. And then they're resentful and I'm resentful and it's everyone's mad at each other. Her example was homework. You know, if your kid doesn't do homework, you let them have, they have to go have the meeting with a teacher and they have to come up with the solution and you do not save them. And I'm like, cool. I love that. Cool. But I'm like, what do I do with like, when my child doesn't water the chickens and it's a hundred degrees outside, like I can't let, I mean, I'm not going to let 20 chickens die. Um, right. But that's, you know, I, that's a big lesson that I'm not quite willing to pay the I used to have something for. I did with my younger kids when they were younger, that was kind of a similar type thing. So that made them deal with pay me back for the time I spent correcting their issues. Oh, that's good. That's Which good. it was, they would pay me back in chores. Like, so we had okay. a point system. So, you know, if they did something small, like not turning their homework, they got 50 points. So they did like a load of laundry when they got home, but I had to deal with the teacher. I had to sit down with them and make them redo their homework. Mm-hmm. So they were paying me back from my time. And actually that season of life, my house was so clean. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, there was some big ones like, you know, you get in a fight at school and you get suspended or something because we didn't start homeschooling until they were a little older. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that if you're going to be suspended and I have to go to the school and all that stuff, you're looking at like a week, you know, a thousand points or something like that. Yeah. And it worked out, you know, there's people use that point system. I see it on Pinterest and that type of stuff all the time. And it worked great for us. But instead of just being like, you know, you were bad, here's your points, fix it. It was letting them know that the time I'm taking out of my life, the time I usually spend doing your laundry, cooking your meals, those types of things, you're going to pay me back for that time because I've spent it handling your issue now. Yeah. I, li- I like that. And it also prevents chickens from dying unnecessarily, yes. right? Because I, you know, I'm still going to go double check because I can't right. not. But um, you still have to. Yeah. Yeah. And I that's mean, what, yeah, that's what I was finding. I was I'm like, I'm creating a monster because he knows I'm going to go check. And <laughs> then because I'm not going to let the chickens die. And so he, he knows it's not that urgent. I shouldn't say he because mm-hmm. now people know which child it is. Um, oh, you know but- what? <laughs> I have one of those. My 17 year old. I actually have a whole page written over here of notes in case we like dove into how to deal with like teenagers. So <laughs> yeah, no, I would lo- I would love that because um like I said, my kids, yeah, I think, I know my kids, when they were younger, they they still like their chores. They still do their chores. Mm-hmm. They still do them well. But there are seasons or there are days or there are times when I feel like we, we go through times of struggle. And I know mm-hmm. with teenagerhood, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see how that plays out. So give me your strategies. Well, okay. So he started his teenage years, well... I guess. So I started parenting him when he was 10. We are a blended family. Um, My husband, when I met him, was a widower with two boys. Now, my younger kids, I had started them. Well, I say younger. They're 14 now. They're twins. But um, I started, you know, with, I call it my everyone helps rule. And it's, there's kind of more to it. Like, it isn't just, um. It isn't just, yeah, everybody has to do their chores and that type of thing. It's, I don't pay allowance to my kids um, unless they're doing something above and beyond. Yeah. And like, I just kind of, you want to preface it. Like, you know, I'm not a child psychologist. I'm not a sociologist. I'm just a mom with a bunch of kids who had to like learn how to parent in a bunch of different ways, like the blended family, the twins, the single mom thing, you know, like, and I have some really great things that have worked and some that just don't. But overall, I'm really happy with the teenagers that I have right now. So I call that a win. So yes, yes. Um, so anyways, back to the everyone helps. It's it's not something that happens overnight. But <clears throat> right off the bat, it wasn't you have to take out the trash because I told you so. It's you have to take out the trash because then that makes it where I can cook dinner faster. Mm. And we kind of just work all those in. Like you have to take care of the chickens because that's how we get eggs to eat. And for like my older boys who I came into their life when they were 10 and 12, that was a new concept to them. Like they had, my husband was in Iraq for a lot of their younger years and their mom worked a lot and they're just, they didn't get that concept of everybody helps. It was just like the mom kind of came home and handled everything and dad was gone and Um, It was a whole new scenario for them. But me, when I had been a single mom for seven years while I was going to college, 
I had to figure out ways for everybody to help. Otherwise we would have never made it. And so when I started off with my 10 year old or he's 17 now, he actually right off the bat got diagnosed with ODD. It's oppositional defiance disorder. And that is as horrible as it sounds. Yeah. It's a very exhausting, um, like developmental behavioral issue that usually goes with ADHD. And I mean, the issues we dealt with with him, like you wouldn't even believe. Um, It basically just makes them oppositional to any type of um, authoritative adult or even authoritative like social norms. So, I mean, it's kind of a funny story that I'll share. When he was in the fifth grade, he only wanted to wear cowboy boots. We are actually still fighting this issue. He ripped through his work boots and I went and bought him a pair of Romeos and he won't wear them because they're not cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can't afford $250 yeah. cowboy boots. You're going to wear the Romeos. Yeah. And so fifth grade, he's only wants to wear cowboy boots, but his class got docked points if they didn't put on their tennis shoes for mm. PE. Okay. And we had just bought him a brand new pair of tennis shoes. I mean, every year for school, new boots, new tennis shoes, you know. He convinced his whole class that we were too poor to afford tennis shoes for him. So the class fundraised for him. And then they invited my husband and I up to the school to like present us with oh these tennis goodness. shoes. <laughs> like they were doing us this grand favor. Yes. Oh my goodness. And I was, I was so mortified <laughs> because I mean, he had a brand new pair of Nikes sitting by the door. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that I, you know, in front of the class, I can't be like, yeah, no, you're taking these back. So I had to be super thankful to the kids. And then he still never wore tennis shoes. Mm. <laughs> so, That's rough. That's rough. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like things that you just, you don't even think of as yeah. being something that they're going to be oppositional to. Yes. Yes. So <clears throat> we went through a whole process. Um, it started with a book by Ross Green called The Explosive Child. He's got a really great system. I actually, let's see here the statement of the system I have here somewhere, but so it's called collaborative and proactive solutions or CPS. And it's an evidence-based trauma response approach to working with kids with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges. So, but it really works with everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually going to get into why we don't do that, but there's a, it's, there's three scenarios. There's A scenarios, B scenarios, and C scenarios. And A scenarios are basically choosing your battles. Okay. Like if they don't clean their room, it sucks, but their room, you know, it's their space. The C scenarios are the hard no's. Like you're not welcome to do drugs. Like that's just a hard no. <laughs> sure. And then there's the middle ones, the B scenarios, which is supposed to give them some control over their life. And it's where you kind of make a deal. Like, you're going to do your social studies homework after dinner instead of before dinner so that you have time to rest. But if you don't do it, then there will be a set consequence that you're aware of. And we liked the concept, but we had four kids in that age group that all wanted to strike their own deals or didn't think it was fair that one of our kids got to basically set his own rules and everybody else didn't. And it just, it wasn't a good fit for us. And there's a little bit of like, well, your reactive parenting is making him that way. Well, when he's doing some of the things that he's doing, I'm not just going to be like, how did that make you feel? <laughs> like, it's just, that wasn't our parenting style. My husband's a veteran. I grew up on a ranch. We just, we handle things. Yeah. And so it just wasn't a good fit for us, but I understood the concept. So that's when I came into my why. I needed a new way to give the kids control over their situations without... It being me having, you know, 20 charts on the wall that my veteran husband with a TBI couldn't remember half of them. Sure. And it just, then we're parenting unevenly and that doesn't work either. So that's when I started bringing in the whys. And that was teaching them why things happen, how our family, like why things happen on the homestead, why our family has to work as an integrated group. And it didn't happen overnight, but it was, we would add one self-sufficient thing for the kids after another. 
So like once we mastered one as we needed a new one, we worked that one in. So, you know, it's things like when the twins were little, I would, you know, spend all day Sunday food prepping and doing laundry and those types of things. And then I would have it all set out where like when I was getting ready for school in the morning, the twins could dress themselves and pack their own lunch. And they knew it was so that mommy could stay up late working. Like, cause I was in college as a science major. I was up all night. Yeah. And now that takes a different place. Like my daughter and I do the food prep together on Sundays so that the kids in the wintertime can have fresh bread every day. And it's, I, sorry, something like exploded behind me, but I have six kids and a husband. So, you know, (laughs) I'm sure they'll take care of it. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, I make the bread bags dry. And so in the mornings, the kids can just dump them into the bread maker And then once the dough cycle goes, I hate the bread maker like cooked. So once the dough cycle goes, we pull it out, split it into two loaves and put it in the oven. And by lunchtime, they have their own fresh bread. And I'm not in there kneading bread all morning while they do school and I teach my five-year-old. So it's just kind of, they understand that that's, mom can teach the five-year-old if we make the bread, you know, and they're seeing a lot more of those and they're picking up on it. And it's a really, it's a great scenario. I like that. And I feel like, yeah, it is all too easy as a parent to just say, I'm the, I'm the mom. I told you so. The end. (laughs) And it really, but it really doesn't work. I know. I remember the things that my parents that stuck with me the most, they were really good at in different things, you know, um, explaining why are they were doing and why we believe certain things and why we live their life certain ways. And that's, it really did stick with me. And I love the idea of bringing that into the homestead as well. And I think, I mean, really it segues into the science curriculum. Like you said, with the research, like, if they don't want to help with the piglets, but the, because they don't understand why we give the piglets piglets mm-hmm. shots when we do, but then they understand the whole foundational reason. I mean, that's just how we learn as adults too. That's why when we start to care about things as adults is because we know the reason why. So it's, again, it's like mm-hmm. with so many things, it's logical and it's common sense, but sometimes it's easy to miss. And that's why we do that like real life scenario of them managing different animals on the farm. Yeah. So like my oldest son, he does the pigs. It makes sense. He works as an electrician apprentice. By the way, that's my 17 year old that we thought would be like in jail. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's an electrician's apprentice and can't get an. I mean, he's working all the time. Like everybody loves having him work for him because he's a very hands-on kid. School was not his thing. Um. So anyways, he handles our pigs because he can drive, he can fix the hot wire, that type of stuff. My 14-year-old son, he breaks dairy heifers. So he handles all of our dairy cows. Um, He's high-functioning autistic. He's a really great showman. So we actually have a lot of local dairy breeders that will sell or give him young heifers as his project because he does so well. He's like grand champion every year. Awesome. And then my daughter, she handles all of our birds. Which is, you know, the incubation, the meat birds, the making sure we order at the right time, all those types of steps that kind of just takes that off of me. Like I have it in my planner, or I guess I should say your planner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, I have it in there, like at the beginning of the year, I put in when we need to order. But then she also knows, and I just check her. I'm not having to think about Mm -hmm. it just when I come to that day. I'm like, oh, it's time to handle this. And then I front them their pigs and all the feed every year for fair. So, cause they show pigs. Well, they show other stuff too, but their market animals are pigs. So I front them the cost of the pig and I front them the cost of all their feed. And at the end of the year, if they've messed up majorly somewhere because of our integrity rule, then they owe me some money back. I'm not like taking their, you know, whole check but you know they get really bummed when they're like yeah I got a thousand dollars and I'm like oh remember that piglet mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it helps and that's like our integrity is we make them remind us once in a while it's doing the right thing when no one's looking yeah. <clears throat> and our way of handling that is when on a daily basis when they don't want to do it this might be a good one with your guy um if we catch them not feeding the right way for like a week, they have to take pictures of a full water bowl when they come back from the barn every morning. Like I need to see oh, pictures. I like that. 
you know, I'm a busy mom. I don't have time to go up there and watch them feed all these animals. And they're 14 through 17. I shouldn't have to. Yeah. And so until they can earn my trust again by showing integrity, they have to show me pictures. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, is that fine balance? A lot of people like that one. I yeah, I I really like that one. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? You're brilliant. Um, Yeah, (laughs) especially like because at 14 is when we start letting them get cell phones, Mm -hmm. you know, because they have activities and I need to be able to reach them when I'm not home and that type of stuff. Yes. So I'm if I'm paying for that phone, you're taking pictures of that feed bowl. Yeah. No, and it's just that fine line of, and man, I've been thinking about literally every day because like this summer. I don't know. Our, I, I, I talked about it on, the, on a previous episode. I, you're actually probably someone to chat about this with too. Just like our homestead life is changing so much right now as our kids get older and they have more activities and we're driving around more and we have just more in the community. And I like I this summer, especially this past summer, I felt so disoriented. Like I don't I even know listen... who I am as a homesteader anymore. Like what's happening? I listened to that episode and took notes in case you had questions. I, talk to me. Like, cause you have the older kids and not very many homesteaders I know are, have the older kid. They're in that stage. They're all with like babies and toddlers. So give me well, some wisdom. We I, have I, both. So I don't yeah. know. Which is we have better. teens and toddlers even right better, now. Even better. So. so the first one is that self-sufficiency. Like, okay. Um, I know that, you know, yours are just, you know, they help with chores and they're getting into that age where they help more. And that is a big one. Um, and just giving them a little bit more as you go. And it's, you know, I've had a lot of outside possibly toxic influences saying to me, you're the mom, you choose, chose to have them. You should be doing all this. Mm. Or I saw online, you know, you chose to homestead. You shouldn't be making your kids do the chores. And I'm like, no, this is the lifestyle I want for them. This is where I want to teach them. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a, everybody kind of has their own responsibilities and we like work together as like a cog, you know, or like a machine. And then when it comes to all of the craziness, like the running around everywhere and stuff, um, two things with that really that are big ones is it's okay to be a little selfish, like as mom. Like everybody eats from the same kitchen. Everybody gets laundry from the same laundry room. Why does that all fall on you? Yeah. It shouldn't have to. And I mean, I always say I'm not raising boys. I'm raising men and whatever that means for my daughter. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. We only have one girl out of six. So, but basically I don't want them to still be entitled thinking someone's supposed to be taking care of them when they turn 18. Yes. And so they handle a lot of things around the house that makes it where we all work really well together. But the selfish part is, okay, so baseball season, it, that's all about my 14-year-old son. He loves baseball. So everybody in the family supports him during baseball. Like the other kids pick up on his chores. Um, we eat a lot of sandwiches at the baseball field. You know, no one's going to starve just because they had sandwiches for dinner. Yep. But when I have to drive 45 minutes into town for a two-hour practice every day, plus my drive time, I don't get out and sit on the sidelines the entire time to watch him throw a ball 400 times. I sit in my car and I listen to my podcast and I do my research and I write my books and I still see everything he's doing. You know, I'm, he's in my peripheral. I'm seeing what's happening. When he gets in the car, I can let him know that I saw what parts I saw and what parts I missed. So fill me in. And then it gives us something to talk about on the way home. Um, plus it's really cold in North Idaho during baseball season. Yeah. I want to get out of the car. <laughs> I was sitting there freezing. Yes. I have totally sat in the car like last week, in fact, and wrote my book during basketball practice. I mean, that was indoors See? anyway, but I'm just like, I can't, oh, I don't need so to loud, watch though. the free throws. I need to do something else for it's practice, not a game. So yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, it's okay to let one child be selfish for their main season, but also you as a mom be selfish for the needs that you still need met. And I actually kind of look forward to baseball season because that gives me like, you know, two to four hours a day to work without like a toddler climbing all over my face. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, like something 4-H. 4-H is all year round. But we say, you know, like everybody does pigs because that's just our thing. That's our market animal. And then you can pick one other thing that you're doing. 
if you want a second one, it has to be something one of your siblings is doing. Mm. So that we're not doubling up on like going to different places and for meetings. Ah, yeah. Especially because we live in a giant county and a lot of people do their meetings at home. Okay. So, I mean, there would be no way, like, my husband and I have, like, had to split cars and go to opposite sides of the county to make something happen. Yeah. And, honestly, my husband's a disabled vet. He's home with me. We like doing everything together, so we don't like it when we have to go separate ways. Um, <clears throat> let me see here. This was another one that we do. Um, Things got really crazy for us for a while. Like we were like, oh my gosh, we're coming and going. I, you know, I run three businesses. My husband, you know, he's does the farm and, you know, I manage the farm, but he does the farming. He's on the fire department. We have kids doing baseball. We have kids doing fire department. I mean, it's 4-H. Everything is happening all at once. And for me to get any of my work done, I was working until midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Then I'm up with the babies all night. And then getting up at seven to make sure, which seven probably seems like really late for homesteaders, but it works for us. (laughs) No judgment, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I'm up with babies all night and then up at seven trying to make like our homestead work. And it was exhausting. Like I was like, I, I can't do this. I have to find a new plan. So that's where my husband and I, we sat down and picked our most stressful time of the day and decided we have to fix that spot. So for us, it was morning times. My husband, you know, like from getting blown up three times, he doesn't always sleep great. So he's kind of out of the count in the mornings. And then I'm trying to get up and handle all the kids who are all chaotic and heading in different directions with, you know, like I said, baby all the way to 17 you know, changing diapers and getting someone out the door for work. I mean, it's uh, everywhere in between. And it just, it wasn't working for us. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about like, could I get a babysitter during the week so I didn't have to stay up so late working and those types of things. And that, I mean, that's expensive and nobody wants to drive 45 miles to babysit for two hours. So we started, instead of my daughter going to the barn every morning with the boys, We brought her incubation set up to the house and put it in the basement. And she gets up with the babies in the morning. She still gets up at the same time as her brothers. She still, you know, has chores to do. She still has to take care of her birds. The babies help her. And it gives me that extra. Sometimes I'm still up at the same time, but I can get a shower. I can do all of my morning correspondence, like from bed without you know, six people, seven people needing something from me all at the same time. And, you know, she just gets up and changes diapers and makes oatmeal and waits for her brothers to come back from the barn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then I give her 10 bucks a week for that because it's outside of the norms of what would be expected for her. Yeah. And that, I mean, streamlined our life. Like you would not believe by the time everybody came back to the house from the barns or my husband's up and I'm awake and did all my correspondence, we were ready to start our mornings. And everybody was calmed down, happy, minimal issues. And it took all that like stress off the table where then the rest of our day wasn't as bad. I wasn't tired come time to take everybody to baseball practice or whatever. Yes. Yes. Whereas for someone else, that baseball time might be the crazy time for someone else. And that's where you look at like hiring someone or, you know, if you have an older teen, they do all the running and you offer to pay their car insurance for them. Because you're handling all of, they're handling all of it for you. I, I think that's brilliant though. Cause I, there's been so many times where Christian and I look at our schedule and we're like, something needs to change, but I always have this feeling like I have to revamp the whole thing, which you can, it just, that's way more mm-hmm. overwhelming than let's pick the problem part and get that smooth first. I think that's mm-hmm. super smart. I mean, it's, I feel like I've told you about all these different systems that we've used over the last decade. I'm not suggesting everybody try to do all of those at once because, ew. (laughs) Yeah, sure. You would be exhausted. It's that you have to, there's different seasons of life. And you meet those seasons of life. So, I mean, hopefully I've given some good things for people to try. And if it doesn't work for them, that's okay too. And that's kind of where we've, we've tried things that 
didn't work for us. Like the collaborative planning, but I was able to take something from that and really have well-rounded kids at this point. And I think what I hear the theme running through all of your ideas is that you're just thinking outside the box and mm-hmm. you're, you're just applying common sense to so many of these ideas, which I think I know for me, at least it's easy to get stuck in a rut around parenting. Mm-hmm. Like I think about what's, this, what's like accepted or how I was raised as a child or what I see other people doing. And I kind of, <laughs> you kind of get in that mode of like, well, this is all there is. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's no other options. And then it's just applying that, that logical thinking of what, if what you're doing, what you're modeling, I think that's the key, but it's way easier said than done sometimes. So it's helpful to have someone kind of shake you up out of the stupor and go, no, no, there's other ways to do this. There's also a big one that I have to say to so many moms and it's, I see it floating around Facebook all the time, but it was, it was my life changer. And it was, don't take criticism from someone that you wouldn't take advice from. Mm, That's good. Yeah. And that's, I've had so many people like the outside influences in our life, like, you know, you're doing it wrong or you shouldn't be homesteading or you shouldn't be homeschooling or, um, you know, just all of those, you know, you shouldn't be making your kids do anything around the house. And as a mom, you get that guilt, like, oh my gosh, you know, am I making, am I making them do too much? And then just out of nowhere, I'm in the car with my daughter the other day and she goes, do you know what my pet peeve is? And I said, what? She goes, parents that do everything for their kids and then are mad when they don't know how to do it themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I win. Yep, yep. Mission accomplished. <laughs> right? Yep. yep. You know, and I, I tease my 17-year-old. Like, I tell him he's um, uh, he's my success story, <laughs> which we still have our moments with him. He's still a teenager. Um, we went to Homesteaders of America. We left him home alone. He didn't want to come with us. And our trip started out, was supposed to be 13 days cross country, ended up being 24 days. Oh my goodness. Ugh. It was very exhausting. Um, and I mean, he handled it. He had some, there was some issues like him and his buddies like rolled a truck and. Oh. <laughs> no big deal. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they were fine. So, I mean, it's one of those things yeah. that just, it could happen. It wasn't on it him, you know. Right, right. That's teenage um, boys. What the actual boys. problem was is his buddy had, it's hunting season here, and his buddy had guns on the back of the truck, and they got wet. And so mm-hmm. they brought him back to our house and cleaned them all on my brand new carpet and then tested them off my back porch and left all the shells. And yeah. <laughs> I am like, what happened here? But hey, they're not playing video games. <laughs> so it's, Exactly. It, I mean, like... <laughs> could be worse <laughs> that I mean they they weren't they were yeah. out being teenage boys you know and you know the wreck was it was a deer it's north Idaho yeah. it, unfortunately it happened um and we were I don't even know we were in Nebraska or something when it happened and that was really scary to not be able to be home like his phone rings and it was a paramedic that we know on the line and, uh, uh. yeah <laughs> but Overall, he handled, I mean, all of our animals were handled. The house was still standing and it was his buddy driving. So, you know, it's, I I couldn't be happier than with what kind of went down, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Mistakes still happen. And I, Christian, I talk about that a lot. Sometimes we're like, you know, our kids are great and they're awesome, but we have to make sure we're not putting crazy, crazy expectations. We have expectations, but we're always like, you know, sometimes we're like, he is 10. You know, so we have consequences and we have rules, but also like he's 10 and one's seven and one's 12. So they're sometimes it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, homestead kids do a lot of them do take on the responsibility. Well, I still have to remind myself they're still kids. Yes. You know, even sometimes when my kids are like, oh, we have so many chores. And I'm like, you know, compared to your friends when we lived in Oregon. Yeah, you've got a lot of chores because those kids sat around and played video games and threw fits when their parents asked them to clean their room. But compared to your friends here in North Idaho, they run the family farms and we're just asking you to feed twice a day and we handle everything else. Yeah. Perspective. So, yeah. And that really helps them. And so, I mean, that's really where, when I started writing the curriculum, that was my really big goal is I see so many 
you know, we follow this homestead movement and it's really, it's people are unhappy with our society for whatever reasons. And the running theme is, oh, I want to do this for my kids because I'm unhappy with where my kids are, you know, what the life they have. But I feel like the biggest missing piece is actually they're teaching the kids, they're doing it with the kids, but getting the kids on board. Yes. And that was where I really came from with this curriculum is rather than parents harping on their kids or even, I mean, I've bought some curriculums like teach common sense and the kids are like, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, I wanted to put it into something that they care about. They're excited about. And it teaches them that big picture where they're, they have the ownership that comes with it. Yeah. It's, it's, Beautiful. It's lovely. I I absolutely love it. Um, and it just, yeah, it just underscores, like you said, the benefits of this homestead lifestyle. But you really brought it all together in in one nice package, which makes a lot of sense. So, where can folks find this if they want to learn more about you and learn more about the curriculum and all the things you're doing? So, um, my website is thehomesteadeducation.com, and that's where you can find me on. Uh, all of the social medias, the homestead education or homestead education. And I'm in all those places. If you're interested in the research journals, they're on my website as well. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, I would like to give them to your listeners for free. Fabulous. So it's just Jill free. So homestead, and... edu- the homestead education slash Jill free. No, or, if no. they go into the research journals in my mm. store. In your store. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they can get those for free. Perfect. They're a really great download. It tells how to do it. And I they make a really great, they go with the curriculum really well because there are places where it suggests to go research and how to find research. And so it goes with that. And I just want to be able to give them a little gift. Excellent. Thank you for doing that. And I'm sure people are be excited. I'm going to go print off some because <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to give it a try. Um, but yeah, that was, it just, it's really important to keep growing. Yes. Amen. Grow, grow your family, you know, grow the, my, the mindset of growing. I agree. So it's okay to change. It's okay to learn more. I stopped learning myself for a little bit there. I had really bad postpartum depression with my two-year-old and I realized that what I needed to do was start growing again. And so that's been my whole goal with my business model is to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. Well said. I think that's I think that's a kind of a issue with our just our modern population as a whole is we just don't learn. I think we're the learning the love for learning is taken out of a lot of us when we're in public education and then it never comes back. So mm-hmm. I love that you discovered that for yourself and you're encouraging others. So Thank you so much, Cody. This was excellent. I feel like super excited. I have a lot of ideas. Like I wrote all kinds of things down on my paper. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you. It's been fun to talk to another, a mom who's a couple steps ahead of me and just to be able to benefit from your wisdom. So I appreciate that. I know my listeners. Oh, will thank well. you. Well, it's about time I paid you back for all the wisdom you've given me. <laughs> well, you did. So thank you. 